Well, here it is September already, and I want to welcome college students. We're so grateful to have you. You know, college years are such an important time in the life of young adults. And when we planted the bridge, uh, we counted about 16,000 college students here in Eau Claire. That's University, CVTC, and the other colleges. Probably a few more than that today. Such an important time. Um, God worked in my life in some huge ways when I was in college. But I had to get out of college before I placed my faith in Christ. Um, College is such a significant time. I'm grateful that we would have college students here uh, who value uh, being in God's church and to hear God's word, word and to worship together. Bridge Kids, thank you for joining us. And by the way, uh, officially, Kim Bump is no longer director of Bridge Kids, but she's serving today. I hope you will appreciate her because she's served in her role for over six years. And officially, we have a new Bridge Kids transition team. Pastor and author John Ortberg tells the story of attending a graduation at Azusa Pacific University in 2009. In one particular small event of that week of around uh, 50 adults, they were gathered to recognize three graduating seniors who were committed to going to India to serve the poorest of the poor. University President John Wallace was overseeing this occasion when the students would be commissioned for service and, and to have a time of prayer for them. He spoke to the three students when he had them come up front, and he, and he said, I have good news for you. An anonymous donor has decided to give a, a large gift to the university in your behalf. And he turned to the first student and he said, your debt has been forgiven $105,000. And the student was overwhelmed with tears. He turned to the second student and he said, your debt of $70,000 has been forgiven and paid for by someone else. And he turned to the third student and said, your debt of $130,000 has been forgiven. The students were blown away. They didn't know someone who would pay their debt. They were uh, ambushed by grace. Something they didn't deserve, something they didn't expect. The good news for us is someone has paid our debt. And it's much greater than student debt. We too have been ambushed by grace. Now, today is not about how do you get your student debt forgiven. Today is about how do we respond to being uh, ambushed by grace. Kirby John Caldwell uh, said this uh, when I attended the leadership summit at uh, the now called the GLS in 2002. He said, there are two great moments in a person's life, the moment that, Christ, the, the moment that you were born and the moment you realize why you were born. You maybe didn't realize the day you were born, but do you realize why you were born? Why are you here? And may I make a suggestion? And I think it's the same reason for everybody in this room. 
And it's the same reason for every follower of Christ in the world today. And it's simply to help people connect with God and develop them as fully fully devoted followers of Christ. Now, there's a lot of things we can say about our purpose and why we were here, a lot of ways to describe it, but I think you can bring everything into that where Jesus said, teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. And if we do that, we're going to bring glory to God, we're going to bear fruit, we're going to honor him, we're going to live in a way that represents Jesus really well. So uh, these past few weeks, we've been centering on, on the bridge mission and centering on bridge core values. And that mission, as I've just mentioned, is to help people connect with God. There are other ways to say this. It, it focuses on Matthew 28, 19, and 20. This is our target in life as a church, and I think as individuals as well. We've talked about bridge core values Core values are guiding principles that guide our behavior as we are on mission together. And I'm just going to review some of those quickly, the ones we've talked about. Uh, We've talked about prayer, how prayer aligns our hearts with the God of the universe and displays our total dependency on Him. We have a direct link to God, and uh, God has given this resource to connect with Him and to uh, experience communication with Him, to uh, speak to Him, to worship Him, and to receive from Him. And uh, as we seek God's kingdom first, uh, God begins to put His desires on our heart, and we begin to want more and more the things that He wants uh, in our life and in our ministry Uh, The next one is God's Word. Sound biblical teaching must characterize all aspects of our ministry. We want to be guided by truth. We want to worship God in spirit and in truth, as Jesus instructed. Thirdly, full devotion to Christ. Pursuing full devotion to Christ is normal for every follower of Christ. Not such a big deal there, but sometimes people get the idea The one who pursues full full devotion to Christ, this highly committed person, is for special people. Nope, it's for everybody. Jesus wants us to teach everybody to obey everything he commanded. Uh, The next one is about lost people. People far from God matter to him, and therefore they matter to us. Sometimes Christians forget that. They believe it theologically, they don't behave that well. Sometimes they look at people who are different than them, who don't know Christ yet, and expect better things from them. Sometimes people who aren't yet believers don't act like believers. Surprise! How do we treat people who are created in the image of God with dignity and honor? And when we do, they are surprised sometimes because we sort of, Christians often have the reputation of just being judgmental about people around them because they don't believe like us. They do these things wrong, they do these things wrong, and they do these things wrong. And uh, that's... We don't have much success sometimes in sharing our faith. We talked about cultural relevance. Embracing the culture without embracing the darkness of the culture is essential in building rapport with our community. Uh, Our culture 
is good. There is much good in our culture. And sometimes Christians get the idea that everything out in the culture is, is bad if it's not Christian. Not true. Humans have been created in the image of God, and they do a lot of really good things. And we can value that. And um, we need to embrace our culture for the sake of the gospel. And uh, for some of you, that's not very hard. Uh, it's all about being in the world and yet not being of the world. How do we do that? Sometimes it's a fine line. Sometimes it's a tension. But we need to do that. And lastly, last week, we talked about generosity. Generosity is God's antidote for materialism. Generosity expresses the heart of God and the heart for God. Today, we're going to talk about serving and community. First, we will start with serving. We value serving. And uh, our core value says, serving Christ both inside and outside the church is an essential part of spiritual formation. Serving Christ, this is an essential part of spiritual formation. It's, in other words, it's a requirement to grow spiritually. Spiritual formation is about having Christ formed in us. That's from Galatians 4.19. God's goal in the life of those who follow Christ is to grow them, conform them, change them to become more and more like Jesus in character. That's what spiritual formation is about. Uh, when we think of serving, I've just highlighted a, a couple of concepts. The word usage, the first one I want to identify is servant of God. That's very common in the Bible, in the Old Testament, and in the New Testament. And when you look at this concept of serving, by far the highest usage is about serving God. Um, the concept of God is a master. He's a very good master. He is a perfect master, and his people are his servants. Um, the Apostle James writes at the opening of his letter in the first century, James chapter 1, he says he calls himself James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So James was a very significant, influential leader in the first century. He's also a half-brother of Jesus, probably didn't come to faith until after the resurrection, because how would you like to grow up with a brother like Jesus, who was perfect and always right? And they thought Jesus was getting a little out of sorts when he began his ministry. And then James humbly came to faith after the resurrection. And James himself calls himself a servant of God and of his brother Jesus. Um, question for us is, would we call ourselves servants? Do you, do you like that title, to be a servant? We all like to be called servants of Jesus if we don't get treated like servants, right? It's not fun to be treated like a servant. Uh, another uh, concept that's very common in the Bible is in the New Testament is servant of Christ. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 1, the Apostle Paul writes, he begins, Paul, a servant of Christ, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. 
And just like the Apostle James, Paul saw himself as a servant, servant of God, servant of Christ. He had a master. He wanted to please his master. He loved his master. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1, Apostle Paul writes, This then is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ, as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. So Paul writes these words to, about leaders in the church, and they are to be called servants of Christ. Another term that I looked at was to serve God. And uh, one of the well-known ones that comes out in Joshua 24, 24 in the Old Testament, so this is uh, very early in the maybe 13th century B.C., and uh, Joshua has just called the people of God, the people of Israel, to turn away from their idols, to turn away from foreign gods, to follow the true and living God. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. And that was a commitment to serve. And, and to serve God meant to obey. It meant to worship. It, it meant to honor. It wasn't just sweeping the floor and doing serving things. It was about devotion as well. Passage in the New Testament is First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9. One of my favorite and this is about conversion of the church at Thessalonica and their reputation among other churches. And Paul says, For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell us how you, Thessalonians, turned to God from idols. So they were pagans. They were far from God. They worshipped, had a whole different set of values. And they made a change and they turned to God to serve the living and true God. One of my favorite terms for God living and true. There is no other. He is alive. And that's what the result of conversion, coming to faith in Christ, is intended to be. What are the implications of following Christ? Secondly, the implications of following Christ. What does it mean to be a servant? What are the implications of that? And um, the best-known passage probably is the purpose of the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45. You probably know this one. Jesus called his disciples together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. So, just like today, in the first century... There was sort of a pecking order, uh, a hierarchy of, of value of people and their authority, and it was often kind of a top-down, and when you were at the bottom, you were pretty much worthless, okay? And um, Jesus said, that's not the way we're going to do it. Not so with you. Instead, we're going to just flip everything upside down. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, Jesus said his followers must be servants. Are you okay with that? Are you okay being called a servant? We should go around and call each other. You can call me Servant Jerry, you know. Um, 
And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served. You would think if anyone deserved to be served, it would be him. But he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to serve people. He came to teach them, to to bring them out of darkness, to bring them into true knowledge of God to bring them into a relationship with God. He, can, he, he loved people. He had compassion for people. He healed people. He was serving them. And ultimately, he would lay down his life and he would die. Why? For people to serve them, to provide for them the way of salvation. And there is no other way. Another... Um, classic passage in the New Testament that you probably know is John chapter 13, uh, verses 12 through 17. Now, a little background. Uh, this happened on, on the night of the Last Supper. It was the last time he's going to be with his disciples before his death, the last evening, the last night before his death. And he was pretty focused. He had an agenda for the disciples He was saying some last things. He's got a lot to say. John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 before he gets arrested. And that that doesn't include Matthew 24 and 25 that also was that he instructed on that night. But here's how it sort of began. And he, when the disciples came in off the street, you know, their feet are dusty, they're wearing sandals, and the and the normal practice is for a servant, a household servant to wait on these new guests and to wash their feet and wipe them down with a towel. That was culturally normal. Jesus surprises them on this night by not providing a servant, and he washed their feet. And even among the Jewish people, that's not normal. Rabbis don't wash the feet of their students. We come to verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? They have no clue. They could have said, yes, you washed our feet, but why? You call me teacher and Lord, rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. He wants them to do something just like servants do. And he says, to wash one another's feet. Do you think he intended to start a foot washing ministry? Maybe. I mean, there's nothing wrong with starting a foot washing ministry. You don't have people with big needs. I mean, you have some people that should have their feet washed, but generally that's not what they want. It's not like going to help them. But foot washing was about what he did. It was about the serving. It was about his humility to take on this role. Next slide. I have set you an example. That's what he did. He gave an example for us. That you should do as I've done for you. Very truly, you no servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now, you know, some churches do have foot washing ministry. Probably teaches you to be humble. 
and, and, to, and to be servants. But it's more than foot washing. You want to start a foot washing ministry, go ahead. But it's much more. It's about taking on the role of a servant and doing humble things to help other people, to help, in this case, other followers of Christ. On the same night, maybe within an hour, Jesus said this in John 14, 15. He said, if you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, be a servant. Be a servant. Serve other followers of Christ the way I have served you. Galatians 5.13, the Apostle Paul said these words. He said, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Don't indulge the flesh. Don't put yourself at the center of the universe. Don't make life about you and what you want and what you think you need. But rather, be humble. Serve other Christ's followers in love. Serve one another. So, I know you had this question, and so I thought I'd go ahead and ask, how can we serve Christ at the bridge by serving one another? Okay? So I do have some suggestions here. Up oh, there they are. They just came right up, didn't they? So, uh, every Sunday, if you didn't know, and most of you do know, we have set up and tear down. We're glad to have volunteers help out. And it just makes the load a little lighter for someone else. Uh, we need drivers for the bridge bus. Every week, somebody has to go get the bus, connect it to the trailer, bring the trailer here by 8 a.m. so that we can start unloading because the time is crucial on Sunday morning to get things into bridge kids, to get the worship uh, equipment in, everything out into the lobby. And the driver helps do that. And then people inside help set up. It happens every week. Also every week, uh, during the school year, we have a driver that goes to the university and picks up students. We need drivers for that. And then they take the students back after the service. Then we bring the bus back so the bus can reconnect to the trailer after it gets loaded and uh, go back and park everything and start all over again. We have a hospitality team. And uh, they provide uh, snacks and coffee and nice things for us week after week. We need people who can volunteer to do that. That's a way to serve. We have a welcome team, uh, greeters. And uh, you saw smiling faces this morning that welcomed you when you came to the bridge. And uh, we're always glad to add people to that group. We have ushers uh, who... Uh, sort of just uh, take care of things that need to get done when they arrive, things to help out, things to make sure this room is set up. Uh, they handle our finances, and they are servants. Uh, we have a, a sound person every week that's in the back that makes sure that I'm on when I'm supposed to be and off when I'm supposed to be, and, and so that our worship team sounds great. Uh, we have uh, lighting that we don't have a lot of control over lighting, but we need somebody to man the lights every week. We have uh, co computer techs, uh, people who make sure the graphics, and so my slides go up, and you get a C, and, the, and we have words for the songs, and you can tell if something goes, we have a glitch on Sunday, and we can't get the slides up for some crazy reason, it's usually a technical problem, and uh, we have growth group leaders and co-leaders, we're just getting ready to start, 
We're, we're kind of set for this fall, but we are always glad to bring in new growth group leaders and people who want to learn to lead and be involved. Uh, bridge kids, teachers, and helpers just heading into a busy schedule. One of the unique things about bridge, we have some awesome people that work in bridge kids, but we have a problem. The moms keep getting pregnant. <laughs> and so they, they serve, and then they reach a point where they just stop serving, and they go have a baby, and, and, and we lose them for a period of time. And we just keep having turnover of moms. So we're always glad to have fresh help with bridge kids. Um, 412 Student Ministries uh, starting up um, September 11th. Um, we have faithful people, but we need to add some people. We could, we could uh, serve our students better if we had more leaders, whether it's a parent, um, college age, young adult, we need help. And we have women at the bridge. They do various things throughout the year, and I'm not going to tell you what they need because I have no clue, but they do a lot of events, and they recruit volunteers to help. And if you're interested, you can find out about women of the bridge. Okay, I'm glad you asked that question. These are some ways that you can serve in the body of Christ at the bridge. Uh, I know you want to ask the question, how can we serve outside the bridge? So thank you for asking that. Uh, we have some individual volunteer opportunities. And uh, let, do we have that slide next? Individual serving opportunities? Okay. These are some things that we have done where individuals from the bridge just have taken these on as an individual responsibility. There's probably more than I have listed here, but we've had people serve in the jail ministry. They've gone to visit inmates sometimes to share the gospel and lead them to Christ, sometimes to disciple them, sometimes just to counsel and listen. Uh, we've had people uh, serve in Apple Crisis pregnancy um, to help uh, young couples, young women, uh, experiencing a crisis pregnancy, and they need counsel, they need advice. Uh, Sojourner House, that's a homeless shelter downtown. Uh, we've had people uh, serve by staying all night and helping out down there. Uh, and then the annual Just Us run. Uh, this is with Fierce Freedom. Uh, the funds raised for that go to uh, fight human trafficking. Um, and then the next thing, what about growth group serving opportunities? If you have come to the bridge very long, you know that we have in our DNA that when we have a growth group, we want every growth group during that semester to do an outreach we don't want to just hang out together and pat each other on the back and say, I hope your life is going great. We want to get outside. We want us to be stretched. We want to go serve people in our community. And uh, so we have done several different things. I'm going to give you a list. And uh, this is not exhaustive. And it doesn't mean we just, these are the only ones we do. We're glad to find new ways to serve our community so if you have ideas, please just let us know. Um, we've, we've served, we've had a number of college students serve at the Hope Gospel Bargain Center. We've probably done four or five different jobs there. Uh, for everything from cleaning to sorting clothes to uh, saving copper wire and trashing everything else. Uh, we've helped them move things around. Uh, we served meal at Hope Gospel Mission Men's Home. 
We've served meals at the women's home. Uh, we've served meals at the Boys and Girls Club. We've, ser- we've served uh, Christmas exchange with parents at the Boys and Girls Club. Uh, EC- the Eau Claire Marathon, we've, we've done water stations. We've had all kinds of volunteers, especially around Team World Vision. And if you don't know about Team World Vision, uh, it's an opportunity to raise funds for clean water in Africa. We've had significant numbers of runners and walkers through the years raise funds and all kinds of support around them, whether it's serving at the tent to provide food for the runners. Uh, We've had cheerleaders, volunteer cheerleaders on the course for Team Real Vision. Uh, Salvation Army, we've done a number of projects with the Salvation Army. We've served meals, we've distributed food. Um, There's a few other things. The Eau Claire School District, very significant serving opportunity that we have had where we have provided winter clothing for homeless students in the Eau Claire School District. Uh, we've served at the Bolton Refuge House. We helped them in, in a remodeling process, doing everything like uh, moving things, cleaning things, c- carrying out construction trash, Beacon House, Feed My People, Community Table, serving meals there, the Eau Claire Children's Theater. We've had people uh, come in and clean here on a, on a Saturday, do extra cleaning to help out here. Uh, we, we had one day where we had several growth groups come together and clean up everything outside, and we had a, tons of debris to haul off after that day. And Western Dareline, we've had uh, projects. I can't remember if that was a demolition project, but it was a serving one that one, some of our men did. Um, so those are some examples. How can you serve? And I hope uh, there's something there that interested you. And uh, if you have some ideas to share with us, please do. Secondly, we value community. And um, in the old days, we just said fellowship. Fellowship is kind of one of those Christianese terms that a lot of people don't understand. Community is a buzzword. It's almost too popular. Um, But our core value says community... I would just say this is biblical community. It's about sharing the life of Jesus Christ with one another. And this happens best in small groups. That's how we organize at the bridge. So my focus is on biblical community. You can have community in a lot of different ways. It's about sharing experiences, sharing some values. So I share a kind of community with the Harley Owners Group. We have one thing in common. It's called the Harley-Davidson And um, there's a whole lot of things that are different about us, but there's one thing that brings us together. And when we ride, we share an experience. That's a kind of community, but that's not what I'm talking about. Now you're going to spend the rest of your time worrying about what that would be like. (laughs) Uh, The concept of community in the Bible, the word koinonia in in the New Testament, and it simply means fellowship. It's about sharing or having... Uh, something in common. Uh, Christian fellowship or Christian community is about sharing the life of Jesus Christ. We've placed our faith in Christ. We've been given the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. We have that in common, the Holy Spirit. And He connects us. And He works through us. And He speaks through us. And we learn from Him in our connections and relationships. And somebody can encourage you And you feel encouraged because there's a God thing happening, and it's because of Christ, it's because of the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, you can hear something uh, sometimes in a message where God connects with you from his word and uh, it's the Holy Spirit is there and there's a whole room full of people. They may not get the same connection, but there's a sense of community and connection. Um, and so in this community, we serve together to advance the gospel. We share in this experience and in this priority and in this goal. We have the same purpose. Uh, in this community, we pray together to advance the gospel. We share in a prayer focus, and we share in a prayer experience. And some of you experience deep community during a time of prayer. Um, we focus on God's word together to advance the gospel. We learn together, we grow together, we experience God at work, and God speaking through his word together. We also give financial resources together to advance the gospel. The Bible says this is a fellowship. When we take an offering for, the, for God's word, for God's work, that's a biblical concept of fellowship, of community, sharing in the life of Christ, sharing resources to advance his kingdom. And I didn't mention this earlier, but I'm just going to say, when, when we talked about outreach into our community earlier, when, when you give on a Sunday morning, when you support the bridge financially, we also support the Salvation Army, local community outreach, Fierce Freedom, local community outreach, Apple Crisis Pregnancy, local community outreach, Good News Jail Ministry, local community outreach, Hope Gospel Mission, local community outreach. We also support campus ministries here in our community. And I'm not even talking about missionaries that we support um, around the world. So um, that's uh, the concept of community, biblical concept of community. Also uh, at the bridge, and we, we talk about how this works out best in small groups, because we know that everything that needs to happen in the life of the church can't happen here, can't happen on Sunday morning, can't happen in the lobby. Although there's an important purpose for corporate worship and corporate teaching and coming together and stimulating love, uh, stimulating one another to love and good deeds. Uh, and so we're going to talk about the growth group concept, our concept. That's what we call small groups at the bridge. Um, some churches call this cell groups, some churches just call them small groups, some churches call them community groups, some churches call them life groups. It's not that we have the best name. We call them growth groups because we want the focus to be on your growth. We want you to think about taking a step toward growing as a follower of Christ. Jesus modeled groups, growth groups, small groups. Uh, Luke chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. So Jesus went out on the mountainside to pray, spent the night praying to God. When the morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them, whom he also designated as apostles. So he identified 12 that would be in his group, his small group, and then he would invest in them for three years. This is sort of like a night and day investment. And he taught them. He lived before them. He, he talked with them as friends. 
He was an example to them, and he prepared them so that when he would die and go back to heaven, he would leave the entire church into their hands. So they were equipped as followers of Christ. It was also modeled by the early church. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Uh, the early church, the first church that we've, we have in the New Testament, that we have in the Bible, that we have in history, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, God's word, to fellowship, community, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Next slide. That was generosity. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. There was a focus on meeting in larger groups for teaching in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And so there was this larger group focus and smaller group meeting in the homes, enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily. And one of the things about groups, smaller groups, this is primarily the context for biblical love and care. The context for biblical love and care. Um, our great reason is to be here on Sunday morning, but that's not enough. That won't accomplish everything that we need to accomplish. And so uh, that's why we value small groups. We value growth groups. John 13, 34, and 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another. And these were the 12 that he had invested in, that they were friends and that they served together. They were in the same group, and he commanded them to love one another. And this isn't like be nice. It's about sacrificial love serve one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have this kind of commitment. This is a agape love, you know, same command as a husband to love his wife. Do you realize that's the kind of commitment you would have to Jesus's church? I don't think we get that very well in our culture. Sometimes church is just kind of an add-on, a nice thing to do. But I think Jesus is calling us to a higher commitment to his body. Um, next slide. I think it's Romans 12, 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. What does it mean to be devoted? High commitment. Not just when it's convenient, works into my schedule, or I like the people. There's something more about the body of Christ that God is looking for. God wants from his people. We're to be devoted to each other. It's easy to be devoted to people you like. People like you, people that you call friends, people that you like to be around, it's easy. And if we just did that, we would be really clicky, kind of an old word, playing favorites. What about the people that are different than us, that are at the bridge? 
some of the people may even seem like difficult people. Some of the people that have rough edges. Some of the people that seems like sandpaper. Huh, did you know that God designed the body of Christ that way? That he just used us and said, we're going to be the body? And I, now I want you to love one another. I want you to serve one another. I want you to be committed, devoted to each other. That's God's plan. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Do not be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Because you and I are not better than anybody else at the bridge. Or anybody else in the body of Christ. Quite a bit of focus here. Romans 15, 7. Accept one another then. Accept those people that are different than you. Who aren't in your same age group. Who don't, have, don't like the same hobbies or interests that you have. Um, and then Romans 15, 14. I myself am convinced, Paul writes, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. That's why we can have groups. Because the Apostle Paul, he recognizes here, you don't need me to have the final say about everything that, that, uh, about the Bible for the Christians. You guys are confident enough to teach each other. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the Word of God. And if you're serious about wanting to know God's Word, you can share God's Word with each other and help each other. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another. And if you hadn't noticed, I picked all these passages about one another's because that's about community in the body of Christ, biblical community. And to bear with one another, that means to put up with. This is what you do in marriage, right? You have to put up with your spouse's imperfections because they are not perfect. Same is true in the body of Christ. We're different. We have different backgrounds, different experiences, different abilities, different financial situations, and we are to put up with, bear with one another in love. Ephesians 4.32, this is an awesome one. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you on one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Guess what? You are not perfect. I am not perfect. Everybody knows that. And so there are people in the, in the, at the bridge, there are people in the body of Christ who are not perfect and they make mistakes and sometimes we do dumb things. Be compassionate toward us. Be kind toward us. Forgive us because we've all been forgiven. Um, imagine how much, imagine what it would be like where... You were in a body of Christ. Everybody was quick to be kind. Everybody was quick to be compassionate. Everybody was quick to forgive instead of holding it against you. And the last one is First uh, Thess 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other just as, in fact, you are doing. So... Um, Community. We need connection with God's people more than just Sunday morning. If we're going to live this out, if we're going to be in relationship, we've got to know people, 
to encourage. To pr- How can we pray for people that we only see a little bit on Sunday morning? How can we know what, what are the real issues? What, where are their hurts? What are their needs? How can we know that somebody in the group is a great resource? They have a great knowledge of Scripture. They're very wise. They're good at counseling, helping other believers. How do we know if we aren't connected? Um, everybody has something to contribute from the body of Christ. That's the way God works. We are better together. When we isolate, we become weak. So, two core values, serving and community. Today we start fall schedule. We need people to serve. We need people to volunteer. If there's something that grabbed you, consider where you might connect, or how you might be able to help. And we're just getting ready to start our fall growth groups. All of our groups are focusing on the same thing, one thing. It's about growing our hearts to become more like God's heart. It's about growing our hearts to be generous. We do want to grow forward as a church. We do want everyone to participate. This is not about dollars. It's about your heart. And I can tell you that this subject is one of the most important areas in your spiritual growth. It is absolutely, it's essential. Jesus said it's about your heart because your money follows your heart. Today we're going to have community around communion, around sharing what Jesus has done for us, the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. It's about remembering who Jesus is. It's about remembering who we are. We are, we, we are sinners who have fallen short of God's standards, and God has graciously provided a way for us to have a relationship with him by sending his son Jesus We are reminded that without God, we are condemned to hell. Today we remember that Jesus died on the cross and that it was his sacrificial payment for our sin. It it reminds us that he paid the entire sin penalty. He asked us to follow him. The truth is, we have been ambushed by grace. How then should we live? Communion is when we humbly thank God for his awesome gift. We remember our lives, we remember our past, we remember what God has done for us. And the scripture tells us we come before him with pure hearts, that everything is going to be okay with us and God. And to do that, scripture says to examine ourselves. If there is sin, we we need to confess it, be honest with God, it's between you and him. And he promises if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. So I'd like to invite those who are going to serve to to come forward. We're going to uh, pray and um, I'll explain at the end how we we, we serve communion if if this is your first time here today. But let's, let's just bow in prayer. Talk to God this morning from your heart. Thank Him for what He's done for you.
Thank him for sending Jesus. Thank him that Jesus died on the cross and paid the penalty for all of our sins. Just acknowledge before him that we, we don't deserve it. It's a gift. Just reflect before him. Is there anything in your life that you need to confess to him so that you can uh, worship him today at the time of communion with a pure heart? Not because you're perfect, but because you're forgiven. And Father, we want to thank you for the bread today that symbolizes um, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ that was nailed to a cross for us. And we say thank you for the cup that symbolizes for us the blood that was shed so that when we take the bread and we take the cup, we are reminded that it was the life of Jesus Christ, it was the death of Jesus Christ that paid for our sin. May we be humbled, may we be grateful, may we be responsive to you. Thank you for the bread. Thank you for the cup. In Jesus' name, amen. So the way we serve uh, communion at the bridge is uh, we're just going to, whenever you're ready, we just invite you to come forward to one of our stations, and you can take the bread and you can take the cup and go back to your seat, and uh, you can uh, take the communion whenever you are ready.